Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, April 14th. Before we get into another edition of Technique Tuesday, before I run you through the day's biggest news from the tennis universe, I have to, of course, remind all of you listeners that today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Diadem Sports. And with all of the challenges going around tennis media right now, the Federer Volley Challenge, the 100 Volley Challenge that you can do with someone you're quarantined with, all of these different things, clearly having the right racket right now is still important. No, we're not able to play in our 4-0 leagues, 4-5 leagues, 5-0 leagues, whatever level you may play in. Uh, We're not able to go play with our friends and our housemates, but there are still things you can be doing to work on your game. We talk about some of them on these Technique Tuesdays podcasts frequently, but it's important that you still have the right equipment, the right strings in your life, and we here at Cracked Rackets know that Diadem is making the right product for you. They're helping tennis players across the globe elevate their games by designing the most innovative performance tennis gear on the planet, the Nova 100 Sleek All Black, that Elevate 98, that crisp aqua blue. Of course, they've got their five sets of strings as well, all tailored to specific playing styles. They've got what you need, your one-stop shop for tennis uh, gear. You can also go with the hooded sweatshirts. Again, I'm rocking them now because they are just oh so comfortable. And, you know, I've worn mine like seven days in a row. My roommates may disagree. I don't think they smell. Uh, so they have that going for them as well. Of course, the premier tennis balls and more. You go to their website, diademsports.com, place your order, use our promo code CR50. It's 50% off. So, you know, you're saving money. You're getting all of your tennis f- needs fulfilled in one store, one location, diademsports.com. They are so supportive of us. The least we can do is ask that you all go support them. So thank you to Diadem and again, diademsports.com, promo code CR50. Now, uh, that being said, lighter side of news today, and then we'll get to our interview with my tennis HQ's Austin Rep for another Technique Tuesday. Let's start with the heavy hitters. You know, three weeks ago, the USTA announced it was canceling all of its sanctioned events through May 3rd. Since then, Wimbledon's canceled ITF and ATP, WTA, all extending their uh, UST, uh, all extending their pushback dates. But for now, uh, the USTA, and again, this is reporting I got from Colette Lewis, go to her tenniscalamazoo.blogspot.com, the post USTA extends COVID-19 hiatus through May, cancels junior summer competitions, and then she talks about some other things. I want to focus on this for now. Uh, The current end date is now May 31st for the USTA. It's not mid-July, so the USTA obviously still has their eyes focused on trying to play the clay courts and the national hard courts, if at all possible. Uh, In their announcement, they specifically 
specifically mention the clay courts, which are scheduled for July 13th, and they say they are still on, but the 18th national team tournaments held the week before the hard courts and the 16 intersectionals have been canceled. Uh, the list of USTA sanctioned tournaments cancels the long one with adult leagues canceled, junior team tennis, club tennis, aka tennis on campus, and many more. And, you know, the USTA, again, this is from Colette, one of the reasons they give for canceling and not moving some events to later in the year is their wish to promote more local play when ten- tennis competition is again allowed. Uh, she says this makes sense from a practical standpoint, as some locales may be able to play sooner than others, and putting national events on the calendar would disrupt that. And, uh, you know, cert- they also mentioned, by the way, there will be no more national standing lists uh, until tournament competition resumes. And look, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, for the USTA, of course, they want to hold out hope the clay courts and the nationals at Kalamazoo and San Diego are two of, if not the two biggest junior events on the USTA calendar. And, you know, of course, there's still decisions to be made on the U.S. Open, and those decisions will come as we learn more information. And, you know, it's so hard to project what we're going to know even by next week, let alone what we're going to know by June 1st, July 1st. And, of course, there's still some time before these events. Uh, but they are trying to be proactive. It's clear, given all the other things that they've canceled, uh, that they will be willing and considering to cancel this week, uh, this year's clay courts and national hard courts. And, of course, that would be so devastating to all of the juniors out there who trained for those moments, for those opportunities, if they are unable to play the event. So, you know, it's something, of course, we will continue to keep our eyes on here at Crack Track. It's another thing we're on the lookout for. All of the ways so many of these tennis players are making an impact during this fight against the pandemic, whether it's resources or just time, you know, all the different things they can contribute. They are Andy Roddy, Roddick, Andy Roddy, hey, great shot. Andy Roddick spoke to the ATP tour about the AR Foundation this week and their current efforts in supporting Central Texas community during uh, this uh, crisis. Uh, that's a, an article you can go find again on the ATP tours website, atptour.com. Roddick, we have to serve families that put their fa- that put their faith in us. Talks about the efforts they're having to raise money for those in need in Austin, Texas. And of course, hey, great shot to him. That's awesome. Uh, a couple of, there, let's change gears a little bit. Let's stay with the positive good news for uh, the NAIA, NAIA players out there. NAIA operating committee through the ITA has decided to move forward with all American awards as well as other competitive playing awards, which honor the student athletes and celebrate their hard work and accomplishments. I said this when they announced these was going to happen for D1. I'll say it again. Yeah, these players played, you know, about half a season, maybe a little bit less technically, but there are things to say. There are summaries to take away. There are awards that deserve to be won. So shout out to the NAIA for making that decision. Shout out to World Team Tennis. We had CEO Carlos Silva on the day before this event aired on CBS. 150,000 streams for World Team Tennis across Facebook and WorldTeamTennis.com delivered as its fir- in its first official streaming activation with Facebook. Uh, look, I watch a lot of challenger matches. I watch a lot of these different things. Very rarely, if ever, do they hit over you know, 10,000, 20,000, let alone 150,000 streams. Hey, great shot. That's really good stuff by World Team Tennis. And again, the market for those who like team tennis is there. Uh, it's certainly catching on now. I don't know if $150,000 pays the bills. I'm going to be honest. I'm not well-versed enough in TV advertising ratings, and I imagine it doesn't. But for a random all-star event on a Saturday, uh, and yeah, we're in quarantine, but still, 
that's really impressive. So, hey, great shot to World Team Tennis. And again, credit to Carlos Silva and his team for all they are doing to continue to promote and advance the sport. One last piece of news for you all. Uh, a little bit of a sad thing. Colt Gaston, the head coach at Missouri Tennis, resigned today to pursue other opportunities. And, you know, look, he had been there. He says it's the honor, it's been an honor to serve as Mizzou's head coach for the past four seasons. But earlier today, he informed his staff and players that he has resigned effective immediately. Uh, it was a very difficult decision to make, and he poured his heart and soul, obviously, into the program. However, he believes it's the best decision for him personally. Of course, Gaston was a four-year letter winner at LSU, second team All-SEC, uh, ITA doubles All-American in 2007, was uh, a top one or top 500, excuse me, player. Uh, sad to see him step away from college tennis, but you know those are the sort of things I think we're going to be seeing more coaching decisions such as that potentially moving forward. Just as a result of this, and you know, there are just so many again fascinating storylines to continue to monitor, and we continue to try to do that at the beginning of all these mini breaks to go through uh, the news uh, of the day, just to keep you all up to date. Uh, but we also like to do other things. Sometimes it's stats, as you guys know. Recently, I've been on my five-year bend. I talked about Justine Ennin yesterday. I have two other players to compare her career with later on in the week, so be on the lookout for those tomorrow and Thursday with the summary pod of that series coming on Friday. I don't want to give away the players yet, uh, but of course, we've had that. We've had a lot of cool interviews recently as well. I believe our interview with Amy Frazier will be coming out today on the Cracked Interviews podcast, someone who is in the top 100 for 18, I think, consecutive seasons, top 40 as well. So, you know, for 17, so 20 straight U.S. Open appearances. Awesome player. Awesome time with her. She's from my hometown, so it's just cool uh, to hear someone who drops their Michigan A's just like I do. So be on the lookout for all of those. And, of course, Christian, Claire Lou, Dennis Kudlow, Chris Woodruff, Bethany Maxans, and more on that Cracked Interviews podcast. Be on the lookout for a new CR Classic on the GSP feed Later on this week, our first episode, the 2011 semifinals between Federer and Djokovic at the French Open. You guys can go listen to if you haven't, and of course you can find that, as well as our overserved video segment, our new segment looking at all of the comedy that happens each day, each week on tour. Find that on our YouTube channel, which hopefully at this point you are already subscribed to. If you're not, you're making a mistake because super producer Daniel Westhoff's up to all sorts of cool things on there, but... With that in mind, it's Tuesday. Let's get to the fun stuff. It's time for another Technique Tuesday with Austin Rapp and the guys at My Tennis HQ. That interview coming up right now. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Joining us on another edition of Technique Tuesday, you of course know him as a former All-American at UCLA, one of the founding members of My Tennis HQ, Austin Rapp. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Doing good, Alex. Thanks for having me back on. 
Oh, it is always a pleasure. We'll keep having you on as long as you want to, you know, keep coming on. I feel like I keep asking Carew about matches. You, you know, he lost at UCLA close matches, and I feel like he's going to get more and more angry with me as my go. But that's kind of my goal. Yeah, <laughs> light the fire. Yeah, I I always like to ask him. I'm like, so did Adrian's foot touch the net? And he's like, yeah. And then I just I kind of like where it goes from there because then I get him testy, and then he'll you know be a little more candid. Um, but you know, I, I talked about this with him last week. I want to start off today's conversation with you guys at my tennis HQ, and of course we'll get into our Technique Tuesday article of the week. But I know you guys have some really cool college interview uh, college interview series going on. Can you talk a little bit about that and you know what you guys guys are trying to do with that series yeah it's really great i've i've enjoyed doing it a lot we're interviewing 30 ex-college players that have gone on and most of them have played pro some of them still are uh but we're just interviewing them asking them seven questions about uh their experience in college what they got out of it um what they took took with them in their current career and uh you know, just trying to give college tennis a little bit of love because all three of us uh, are, are huge fans of college tennis. We think it's a really good option. So uh, we're just trying to bring uh, bring a little bit of light onto that. Yeah, no, make it four. All four of us love college tennis, as you know. Yeah. Um, and some of the people you guys have interviewed, Tom Hill, uh, you know, Andrew Harris, Marcos Giron, <clears throat> Ingrid Martins, Lauren Embry. And I'm curious for you, A, do you have a favorite interview you've done thus far? And B, I know you guys are asking the same questions to each of them. Is there a question in particular you've gotten responses to that have maybe surprised you or just, you know, you find the most interesting? Um, I think one of the reasons that we decided to ask everyone the same questions is to highlight the differences and the similarities. So uh, it's interesting to hear um, some people's takes are different and some some are the same and they're both successful, you know. Uh, For example, Jason Jung, uh, he's going to be doing his interview. uh, I believe it's going to go live next week. But he had a take that said, you know, college tennis uh, there was a huge adjustment going on to the pro tour. Um, it didn't really get me ready, but he had nothing but good things to say about college tennis and he would, he wouldn't do anything different, but, um, you know, you have that perspective and then you have, uh, I'd say most that said, yeah, college tennis got me ready for the pro tour. Um, yada, yada. So that's, uh, why we, why we asked everyone the same questions. And I think, uh, my favorite thing that I've seen out of, everyone's answers is there's one underlying theme is the team element of college tennis is something that's stuck with all of these people. Um, You get out there and the tour is, it's a lonely place. Uh, There's a lot of time to be in your own thoughts and college tennis is a lot more fun. So uh, even the most successful uh, players that we've interviewed, they've all said that the team aspect is uh, something that they learned to enjoy and they really did take a lot out of. Yeah, it's so enticing. Uh, obviously, as we just mentioned, huge college tennis fans, you can extend it to world team tennis. Obviously, everyone enjoys Davis Cup, Fed Cup, Hopman Cup, and you know Laver Cup now as well when you get to see all of these players play in the team atmosphere. I feel like because I brought up the, the foot touching the net that you had to insult me with another fellow Wolverines world, words, those Jason Jung comments hit deep. 
Um, but you know, that's you know, it's all is fair. Uh, I, I deserve that sort of cr- uh, slack, I suppose, uh, or I guess grief is the word I was looking for. But yeah, it's it's fascinating. Is there a school you've heard? Because you guys have hit so many different schools as well that you've heard an experience from and been like, man, I should have gone there. No, I mean the thing is, we've seen that most people have uh, had a really positive experience at all their schools, and I think it's pretty hard to go wrong with a lot of these programs. Um, you know, the, the elements of college tennis that everyone likes, you're pretty much going to get at most schools, you know, the team aspect competing, um, and, and just improving. I think that you can get that out of most programs. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I've definitely found that through the, through the interviews and I had a great time at UCLA. Um, and all the interviewees have had a great time at, you know, USC, right across the street, our biggest rival, but uh, they've had just as good of an experience there. So, mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, so many fun interviews. Other guys, you know, Felix Corrin, Ryan Penistan, Diego Hidalgo, Cam Nori, and more. You can find all of that on the website, mytennishq.com. And, of course, the reason we have you on today, it's another Tuesday. That means it's time for a Technique Tuesday. Our topic today, uh, another article you guys have up on the website. We've talked about serves. We've talked about forehand, so many different things. Today we're going to focus on the net game, seven drills to improve your volleys. And I want to start here. You have, you know, we're all in quarantine, and we've seen now the Federer 100 Volley Challenge taken, or the Federer Volley Challenge against the wall taking the world by storm last week, and now it's the 100 consecutive volleys. Uh, Andy and Murray and uh, Kim Sears, of course, Kim Murray, I suppose, now doing that uh, as well. I feel like volleys is the one thing, even though we're all quarantined, that you could actually, you know, even by yourself get a lot better at. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. Uh, these drills that everyone's doing, they're drills that people do even when they're not in quarantine. Uh, I had pretty terrible volleys my freshman year and Billy and Rickus had me on the, on the wall on court six at UCLA trying to get the, uh, get the volley sharp. So, uh, these are, these are all drills that, um, you know, we, we've seen even on, on normal days of practice. Uh, but yeah, the article actually, um, it was posted months ago, and one of the drills is the wall. You know, I I put wall ball as the drill name in the in the article, and that's the one everyone's posting about. So it's it's kind of funny. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the name Rickus because, and look, it, 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 it to some extent none of its original content, but you know, I think it was you know ten days ago or whatever. He posted his shots volleying against the wall, going across the obstacle course, across different walls, whatever it may be. And then Federer does his, and it steals all of Rickus's shine. I feel like Rickus deserves more credit for this volley against the wall challenge. I think he got things started. Yeah, I remember Billy and Rickus taking me back on the wall and I was struggling with it and Rickus was like, no, just do it like this. It's easy. You know, once you once you get better at it, you can move the wall up and down the down the wall and do this and that. And I was just like, Rickus, what are you saying? I can barely get 10 in a row. You know, uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. 
Yeah, there's an overserved segment. Sorry for the cross promo that we just uh, rec- recorded. I guess two weeks ago that got cut. That was me trying to go across a couple of different walls that changed angles and stuff because I just kept missing. And we were just like, ah, let's just scrap this one. We've got enough content. And so yeah, it's freaking hard to do. And you know, again, uh, it's not just that volley, as you mentioned, and as the title says, seven drills to improve your volleys. You run through all of them. I'm going to name them real quick. There's the Brian Brothers drill. There's wall ball as we just talked about, offense, defense, volleys on top of the net drill. There's the cross-court doubles drill. The floor is lava, and then get low, stay low. In terms of working your ways, let's say you're a beginner and you know you need a first of those seven drills to work on. Which would you choose? Which do you think is the best at just you know solidifying the fundamentals? Mm, good question. I mean, if you're a beginner, you can always start on the wall. That's uh, definitely something that... Um, you can start slow. Uh, a, a really good thing to do is just to have a friend or someone feed you balls really slowly to get the feel and get the fundamentals down. Uh, obviously, if you're if you're a lower level just starting out, it's not easy to get a rally going, um, and it's it's even tougher if you're trying to get a rally going with someone your level. So uh, I would stay away from the ones that include trying to get you know 50 or 100 in a row and just try to build on the really basics um yeah just sorry uh just build on really the basics and uh get someone to feed you or uh work on the wall yeah it's so interesting you talk about volleying uh you know it's as it's important that you don't stay stationary when you're working on the drills and you know, uh, again, it, the volley seems fairly simple. You keep your racket up, you keep it at the side of your body, you, you volley the ball away, you take time away. But you know, how much of volleying, in your opinion, is you know footwork versus just having your hands in the right place at the right time? Uh, I mean, it's a tough question, depending on the ball that's coming at you. Uh, I think I've I've yeah, it really just depends. If the ball is coming at you big, you don't have time to move your feet. Uh, the the steps get too choppy. You just got to stick your racket out there and let your hand do the work. But if it's a slow ball that you got to put away, then obviously you got to move through it and get your body weight going um, through that ball to create the pace. So, yeah, I guess it's not such a simple answer, but uh, it just depends on the, the ball that's coming at you. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And that, you know, as you mentioned, that speaks to the higher levels as the passing shots start to get higher and higher. But again, you know, I feel like fundamentally the idea, because so many of the drills you talk about are about, you know, you're not staying stationary. You're not just standing at the net as someone feeds to you. You're mm-hmm. actually moving side to side. The one in particular, uh, the, the drill you did with Carew, I think it was the cross-court doubles drill where you guys are moving across from each other, then down mm-hmm. back down the center. Why is it important to work in you know movement based aspects as opposed to you know just the basic hey i'm gonna feed it to you and i mean at a certain extent you do of course have to have the ball fed to you but just the basic feeding drill and you're standing at the net hitting volleys well if you're rallying with someone so me with Carew in that in in those videos um uh, even if the movements are really subtle you have to get in the right position to hit the volleyball Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And again, uh, you guys list out the seven drills. I named them. In your opinion, you know, what's your favorite of the drills to do? Uh, hmm, that's a good question. I, I, I've spent time on all of these. I hate wall ball. 
Uh, I mean, it, it's a, it's a great drill, but I, I've never been good at it. So, uh, I guess I need to spend more time on the wall, but, um, I really like, um, the floor is lava. That's a fun one, but it's really physical. Uh, it's just, uh, one of those where you're constantly moving. You're, you're not allowed to let the ball touch the ground, uh, and your opponents on the baseline or your, I guess, practice partners on the baseline. Uh, so they can throw in lobs, drop shots, this and that, and you you have to. Your only goal is to not allow the ball to touch the ground. So that that gets really physical. That's a that's a fun one. Yeah, I'm all in on that one. You also talk about the Brian's drill. Uh, you get closer and closer. You go after the balls as often as possible. Um, but you know, I, I'm curious. I know you play a lot of doubles as well as singles, so it mm-hmm. makes sense that you want to work on your volleys in general. You know, growing up when you were younger. How you talked about your struggles, but uh, how much time were you allocating to working at the net? And as you got older, how how important do you think it is to make sure you're working on your volleys, your net skills as often, you know, in comparison to what you're doing at the baseline? Well, first of all, it depends on your game style. Um, I think everyone's volleys can get a little better, <laughs> even if your your game style is just to grind from the baseline. Uh, there's some value in learning how to put the ball away because you're going to have to do it eventually. Um, but I definitely, as a junior, wasn't spending enough time working my volleys. Uh, I would I would come in a decent amount, but uh, my, my volleys in college got a lot better, especially towards the end. I started focusing on them a lot more. And then um, after school, uh, as I became more uh, competitive in doubles, I guess, and, and trying to really uh, push for that doubles, uh, get as many wins as I could. Um, I started working on them a lot more. And the, the nice thing about the volley is the more you hit, the the better they're going to get, the more feel, the more balls that you're going to be able to feel out up there and strengthen your wrists and get the timing down. Um, the the better you're going to get, it's not that complicated. It just takes a lot of time and a lot of balls. Yeah. And, you know, again, there are so many different types of volleys, right? It's nuanced. There's the transitioning to the net volley. There's the low volley. There's the drop volley. There's uh, even, I think you use the term, defensive volley might be too much. But, you know, mm-hmm. how important is it to work on the various nuances of volleying, not just being at the net, but putting yourself in different positions to hit uncomfortable volleys? Well, it's important because, you know, the, the better players you're playing, uh, you know, the, the better they're going to pass and putting, putting away volleys is not easy and you're going to be in uncomfortable positions a lot. But, uh, the, the goal is to be able to put away volleys when you're way off balance. Um, so yeah, I, I would say it's definitely important. Uh, not every time you come in, are you going to have it, uh, right on the strings, right where you want it. Mm-hmm. Did, do you ever work on the, you're at the baseline? I mean, maybe when you were younger, maybe not as much now, but you're at the baseline, you're moving forward and you're hitting the volley in between a service line and a baseline just to work on that sort of volley as well. Yeah. There's a, the, what was it? The cross court doubles drill. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that what I called it in the article? Yeah. Um, That's one where you, you start a couple feet, a couple yards behind the service line you work on that first volley and then you come to net. So that's definitely important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I know this isn't 
in the volleys that you were talking about, but as part of the net game as a whole, the overhead. How important is that to completing your tools at the net? And you know, how much time are you spending on overhead versus just volleys when you're working on those parts of the game? Um, I mean, it depends on your level, but not everyone needs to work on their overhead, but definitely need to incorporate it. Uh, most of, uh, or some of these drills have it incorporated in there, uh, especially the floor is lava, that one. Uh, always, the more important thing is uh, quickening up, getting back for the lob, because that's a surprise, and the quicker you can get back, the, the harder you can close, right? The more aggressive you can be coming in. Um, so, so yeah, that's definitely important. The overhead is, is huge. What about anticipation of passing shots? Do you, you know, when you were at UCLA and playing live points, is it, hey, I'm going to feed a passing shot? And, you know, it's a little harder to do when it's just you and a friend out there, particularly in quarantine. But how do you build those anticipation skills at the net? Is there anything you can do, you know, drill-wise? Yeah, there's a few. Um, One of them we used to do at UCLA was two-on-one, where uh, the guy on the one side would get fed an approach shot. And then they can hit it wherever they want, and uh, the point starts. So it's not an easy position for the approacher, but I guess that's the point, uh, to make it a little bit unrealistic and a little bit uncomfortable so that you can work on it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, one of the main things with coming coming forward is following your approach. So if you approach cross-court, you got to get over and cover the line. Or if you approach line, which you should – you know, probably the, the majority of the time you cover that line, you follow that ball. Um, I, I wrote a different article on serving and volleying. I guess we can we can do that another week. But I talk about that, I t- like the uh, mirroring the ball. So you you wherever you serve or wherever you approach, you come in mirroring that ball because it cuts off more of the court for it, it gives your opponent less of a target. Yeah, you also talk about the, I think there's one, uh, I don't remember which drill it was, but where you talk about just sticking the ball repeatedly. I think it's the on top of the net drill. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, can you talk a little bit, because that sounds a little counterintuitive, right? Why practice the volley on top of the net? That, in theory, should be the easiest one. But what is the purpose of that drill? Well, the purpose of that is it's totally unrealistic. You're (laughs) supposed to get about six feet, or sorry, not six feet, six inches away from the net. And you're just working on quickening your hands. Um, the, the idea is that if you can uh, quicken your hands enough where you're on top of the net and the guy's firing balls at you, then you should be able to uh, have pretty quick reactions when you're four, five, six feet back. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's more of an unrealistic uh, way to, yeah, just quicken up your hands and see the ball faster. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as the person working on volleying let's say you're hitting with a friend we ever get to a world where we can do that again um if (laughs) if they if they peg you in the purpose of trying to get you better at this drill should you not be offended should you still be offended or should you you know how should is it okay that you know i feel like a peg in that instance as the hitting partner you shouldn't feel bad about no, no, you can't feel bad about a peg. It's just a tennis ball. You'll you'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe no. if, maybe if you have a complete sitter and the guy's turned around, that's a little different story. But uh, <laughs> yeah, go for go for skin on these. This is this is fun. That's part of it. The only thing, and maybe this is before your time, but if Novikov like unloaded a forehand at me, I'd be like, dude, 
Come on. Like, <laughs> we yeah. Don't need, yeah, we don't need that. Um, but yeah, uh, in general, that's you have to be willing, right, to work on it. And I guess as someone, as if you're the baseliner in that scenario, what it, what is the thing you can do to help the person working at the at the net the most? Is it you know keep the ball low, keep it uh, you know at the what is it that you're looking for from a hitting partner in that situation? In in which drill? Just any of them, or yeah, and in, in general. Um, I guess just keep the ball going, uh, try to keep a consistent pace and, um, try to, I mean, if you can get a hundred, 150, 200 in a row, that's great. And then, you know, work up the pace from there. And, uh, obviously the, the better you can get at these, the, the better you're going to be able to volley in a match. So that's, I guess that's what you're looking for. Just some, some rhythm and working on the right things. Yeah, no, definitely. And for you, did you have a favorite partner to drill with volley wise at the net when you were at UCLA? Ooh, uh, Rickus, uh, Rickus's hands. He's he's not going to miss too often. Um, <laughs> he he, without a doubt, had the best hands uh, at UCLA. You know, players, coaches included. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nobody was really going to beat him in any of these drills. Who was the worst to drill with? Oh man, that's not a good question. Come on, throw maybe maybe out of us. maybe out of maybe out of humility, I'll just say myself. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said Austin. All right, maybe I'll, I can, Austin. I'll, 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 I'll say Carew. I'll yeah. say Carew is the worst. So then, when he's on the next pod, he can talk trash about me. Well, I just feel like Young Keegan gets so excited; he's going for the peg no matter what, just because. Why not? Um, definitely, yeah, definitely, it's... Keegan was. Yeah, so that's an interesting thought as well. All right, uh, another one for you. Uh, better team UCLA-wise, in your opinion. I was just trying to get you in trouble. I like to stir the pot a little bit. Um, the, the team that made the final, Pouget, a, you know, that 4-3 match against Virginia, or the team the year after that had, and I think I might have asked you this before, but freshman Mackey, freshman Gage, freshman Joe, uh, Marcos, Clay Thompson, still Adrian and crew. Which team would you take head-to-head? Oh... Uh... I think you got to go with uh, 20 – Pooj was 20 yeah, – I think that's thir- 13. 13. Yeah. I think 13 might have a slight edge, but ooh, that's a tough one. The thing is, uh, at the end of the year in 2014, Pooj came back and was playing six. Um, that's a little bit of a stack if I have to say so myself. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. That'd be That'd be a tight one. I just feel like – because freshman Gage, before he got injured and so much happened to him, was just so good. And yeah, like, he was he was nails. And he played four. Yeah, he was he was a lock on that team uh, at four. So, he, he wasn't losing. So he would play. Who played four? I think McTyron. Um, and maybe I butchered that. Or McCurchian. Sorry. Uh, and like, it's a battle. I I probably lean. Well, I mean, Mackey's gone on to such t- great things, but you know, Clay. Marcos at two a year later. That's the year he won NCAs, and then Mackey at three. That's freaking ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, just goes to show how how good college tennis is, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I that's guess that's system. the that's part of the point of us doing all these interviews. Yeah, I was, all, all of it was was to set up a segue to go read the college interview you guys did with Marcos. Exactly. Yeah, go go read the one with Marcos. That was. Uh, Definitely. Uh, if, if you have to pick one, pick his because he, he put a lot of time in those answers. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And for our fans, again, the article, Seven Drills to Improve Your Volleys, you can find it on MyTennisHQ.com. Any other things you guys got cooking you want to share with us today? Not yet. Uh, <laughs> we're, 
we're, we're still working on it. We're trying to get all these college interviews um, out there and we're going to, we're going to take it day by day and we're going to go from there. Yeah. So it's always a pleasure to have you on Austin. Uh, you're holding up. All right. All is good for you in quarantine. Yeah. Holding up good. Uh, just finished an indoor workout here. Like everyone else. I just won't be posting it on Instagram, but uh, <laughs> I am, I am doing the workouts. I promise. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I appreciate you not posting it on Instagram. I feel like, yeah, we get a lot of workout content. Uh, I mean, it, okay, this is mean. And again, I'm a big fan of the tennis community. I love everyone and I love all of the players. They're individually unique, but you're sort of like, oh yeah, everyone was homeschooled, weren't we? (laughs) Not me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, not me either. Um, and I guess maybe uh, it's just funny though because it, people have gotten creative for sure. I'm I'm waiting for the Austin rap challenge. You and Connor just go hit something off his head or just hit his head like just really hard. Oh man, I haven't seen the guy in a while. <laughs> but maybe yeah, maybe I'll figure something out. That one's a good one. Yeah, uh, that was it. we tried that this weekend in our backyard and it, it was a blast. It was I actually. Did, I only got hit, I think, with the ball twice, which was surprising given that, like, we're not good. Um, so, nice. it, yeah, it was a job well done. But, again, for all of our fans, uh, Austin, where can they find all of your guys' stuff? You can find our stuff at MyTennisHQ.com and at MyTennisHQ on Instagram and YouTube. Um, awesome. Well, again, the article this week, Seven Drills to Improve Your Volleys, Austin Rap. Thank you, as always. Take care, and I know we'll talk to you again soon. All right, you got it, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Always. Hope you enjoyed my interview with my Tennis HQ's Austin Rap. Again, the article, Seven Drills to Improve Your Volleys. You can find it on their website, mytennishq.com. We continue to be so excited to partner with them. Got some fun stuff in the works with them as well, so be on the lookout for all of that. And again, uh, they have so many cool things going on at their website, so please go be sure to give that a look as well. As I mentioned in the intro, We've got a lot of cool content coming out at Cracked Rackets. We do our part to provide you guys the distraction you deserve in these stressful times. You know, it's things such as our Overserve series, which we try and just, again, talk about the comedy produced by the tennis world. There's so much of it. Austin and I just got into it at the end. Uh, You know, we get to see these players' personalities shine, and we can have fun at their expense, of course. We are laughing with them, not at them. Uh, But there's a lot of fun stuff, and Super Producer Westoff continues to kill it. So go check that out on our YouTube channel. You can also find CR Classics as video form. You can find it in podcast form on the Great Shot podcast feed, Cracked Interviews podcast with so many great guests over these past couple of weeks. I don't need to list them again. I know you're already checking them out, but if you're not, go check them out. Like, rate, subscribe, review the Cracked Interviews podcast, the Great Shot podcast, this podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, and of course, if you need the more immediate updates, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's at Cracked Rackets. You need the more immediate response, a quick DM, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at GreatShotPod. We are so appreciative of all of the people who take the time to reach out, interact with our stuff. That's what we do it for, to try and make the tennis community a more engaging, enjoyable place to be, as we already think it is so much so. Uh, but, uh, you know, the reason I'm able to have so much enjoyment day in, day out, not just our friends at Diadem Sports, where you can go to their website, diademsports.com, use the promo code CR50, but I've got the best super producers in the business, Max Fliegner, Daniel Westhoff, 
what the f of a night in job they do day in day out they are up you know the, the, I, there's no one i would rather work with so shout out to those guys as always that'll do it for today's mini break podcast again mini breaks all day all week long as usual amy fraser cracked interviews podcast coming out today on the cracked interviews feed and more to come as well projects underway shout out to all of our patreon subscribers by the way as well any contribution any of you can make during this time means so much to us and we so greatly appreciate it and again shout out to our friends at diadem sports go to their website use that promo code cr50 get 50 percent off of your order with that being said for my wonderful guest today austin rap of my tennis hq shout out to him again as well for our super producers max fligner daniel westoff our friends at both diadem sports and aero bar use that promo code crack 30 by the way for your aero bar needs and from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say folks that's the break and we'll see you all tomorrow thanks everyone